What if there was a different way to enjoy food and engage in life? Beyond the barrage of nutrition hype, the shoulds, and the judgment, beyond the constant striving to be thinner, fitter, someone other than who you really are, what if there was a way to eat that is mindful, non-judgmental, joyful, empowering, a way that leads to feeling better, having more energy, and living your best life? You're listening to VegHead Speaks with me, your host, Robin Wong. Join me as we explore plant-based eating for people who want to eat well and live well. Hi, welcome back to VegHead Speaks. Thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. This is Robin Wong. Let's talk about jeans, not the jeans that you wear, the ones that get tight when you put them in the dryer and you have to squeeze into, but about the jeans in your genetic makeup. So you may be one of those. I've heard it many times where people say, oh, it's just in my genes, meaning whatever that might be, you know, being overweight or having diabetes or heart disease for that matter, you know, that people that say that often look around them, their peers, their family, and many of the people that they associate with or they're related to have the same issues, right? So let's take let's take diabetes, for example. Diabetes, I've heard many people say, oh, it's it's in my genes. And and they believe that because for two reasons. One is because they look around and people in their family all have diabetes. They all have you know, type two diabetes is what I'm talking about. Type two, um, and they so they assume that that's that's their destiny. Okay, they think that the type two diabetes is their destiny because everybody they know has it. So it must be a genetic component, right? <clears throat> well, let me just say, um, not necessarily. Our genes haven't changed suddenly from what they were 40 years ago when there was very little type two diabetes, right? Um, <clears throat> so I think it's interesting because. Um, People make that assumption, and even if they go on the American Diabetes Association website, you know, it says, this is what it says. Let me read it to you. Type 1 and type 2 diabetes have different causes, but there are two factors that are important in both. You inherit a predisposition to this disease, and then something in your environment triggers it, okay? So what is that something? What is consistently that something? That something's the food we're eating. That's why diabetes and heart disease and high blood pressure and high cholesterol are referred to as diet-related diseases, chronic diseases, because it's what we're eating. So yes, you might have a predisposition to type 2 diabetes, but it's that something that triggers it. And you, you can have those genes and change how you eat and not have the disease. That's the big takeaway, not have the disease at all, okay? So I just want you to understand that, that it's not your destiny, destiny most, most definitely not, okay? Um, Dr. Michael Greger, who I love to listen to, he has a lot of good diet, um, diet information, and, and he researches, he, he studies all the research, okay? And then he brings it to you in kind of a condensed form on his nutritionfacts.org, and I'll put the links in my show notes, but You know, in talking about the obesity gene, which was all the rage a while back, you know, and that's the reason there's an obesity epidemic. It's, it's, we found the fat gene, we found the obesity gene. It's what's causing it. Not really. I mean, the people with that particular gene might see 
a, a couple percent increase in being obese over others that do not, but it's not the reason of the, of the epidemic, okay? So what he says is obesity does tend to run in families, but so do lousy diets. When it comes to, to obesity, the power of your genes is nothing compared to the power of your fork. And what that basically means is it's, it's what we're eating. And that's what I want to tell the Diabetes Association. We know what that something is. We know what that something is in the environment, okay? It's the food. And it frustrates me because they won't just come right out and say it. So they'll promote what they call their plate method for controlling diabetes, okay? And on that plate, they show you a diagram of, you know, a, and they'll say lean meats. They'll show you a little picture of a fish, but lean meats. Half your plate should be vegetables. Um, and then another, a quarter is the lean, lean meats. And then the quarter is um, your bread or your fruits, okay? Now, why won't they go the next step and just say, don't eat saturated fats, don't eat animal products that have saturated fats if you really want to control your blood sugars and your weight and your di you know, your diabetes and your heart disease for that matter and your high cholesterol for that matter. What is stopping them from going that next step? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? So we know that the dairy lobby is super powerful. The beef lobby is super powerful. Um, and is that what's stopping it? I think so. I think that has something to do with it. Um, the pharmaceutical companies, they don't really want people to cure their diabetes, reverse their diabetes by food, by going to the produce section and re reduce it. No, we want them to buy our drugs. Okay. And so is that what's happening? I don't know. It makes, I just question it. I just wonder. It makes, it's like, well, if you can reverse your type two diabetes through diet, why don't we know more about that? Why don't we hear more about that? And that's why I get so fired up. That's why I do this podcast. That's why it's my mission in life to have people question and see if they can change their diet and reverse their disease, their chronic diet-related diseases through their fork, okay? Um, that's, you know, that's that's what why I do this. And I just, because I see so much suffering from those diseases that I want people to not suffer. I don't want them to have these um, complications that go with it, you know, down the road. So just know that genes aren't enough. They're not enough to cause this disease. Okay. And, you know, what we understand about genetics is that genes may allow for a tendency toward a particular disease, but it is strictly environmental factors that allow the genes to express themselves into disease. Although certain groups are more prone to diabetes based on genetic makeup, Disease doesn't take hold unless environmental factors increase their susceptibility toward disease development. It's another way of saying what I just said, okay? Um, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Years ago, I went to a PPOD conference. PPOD stands for Plant-Based Prevention of D Disease, and it was held in New Mexico, and they were partnering in that particular um, conference with the local uh, Indian reservation because diabetes was rampant on the reservation. And what they were trying to do was to um, change that through diet, right? And what they were seeing is that that um, particular population, it was really easy to see the incidence rates because it's, you know, in a one location, right? And it's really look at what they're all eating. Well, they're eating a lot of U.S. subsidy type foods. 
which are canned meats, um, a lot of cheese, uh, foods that they traditionally did not eat. Traditionally, you know, their their um, culture, they grew their own vegetables. They ate legumes. They ate maize. They ate, you know, um, very cultural foods that led to their health. And now they're eating these other foods that are increasing their rates of diabetes. So there has been a study done on the Pima tribe of Indians um, in Arizona. So they have the highest rates of diabetes of any population in the world. Um, and they also have really high rates of obesity and hypertension. Not surprising, two of the other chronic related diet related diseases, right? But interestingly, those of the Pima tribe living across the border in Mexico don't have high rates of diabetes. So you're kind of like, wait, the ones in the US, the Northern Arizona Pima tribe does, and the their cousins across the border do not. So what's the difference? I mean, they share a similar genetic makeup, but they live on very different diets. So the Arizona Pima tribe, they they don't eat the native foods, like I said, like the beans, the maize, the wheat, the squash, the indigenous plants, like wild spinach, um, to name a few. And they eat some wild, um, small amounts of wild game but they don't eat that. They're now mainly eating the cheap fast food and the animal products. Whereas the Mexican um, Pimas, the ones that are, they're still true to sort of their native foods and they're, and they're way more active. So they're at more, so, and we know, we know exercise um, increases, you know, um, your, it allows your insulin to get into your cells more. So your insulin sensitivity increases and your resistance goes down. That's why your doctors tell you to start exercising, right? It helps. And so there are definitely the ones in, in the Pimas in Mexico are definitely more active than the sedentary um, Pimas. And, and that increases their obesity and insulin resistance for the ones in the U.S. So, but, you know, the difference, this difference is that a, such a devastating disease does not need to take hold in these communities and can be prevented. That's my point in showing you this, that you have these two genetically similar um, uh, people, and yet they have very different outcomes with their disease rates, okay? And it's through lifestyle. It's all through lifestyle and what they're eating. So what we do know, and this is what we saw in New Mexico, that since the 1950s, many of the tribal members have depended on the commodity foods, like I said. And, um, and those are highly processed, canned meats, cheeses, powdered milk. Um, and so that's why we see the diabetes rates going up. So just know that giant genetics is complicated. And when they start pulling apart your genes and studying each gene at, at, you know, at a time, that one can be predisposed to one thing or another, but it's genes are more involved than just one mechanism. Okay. But that scientists, they, they, they pull it all apart and look at one thing and they don't take the synergistic approach. And Dr. Colin Campbell's written a book about whole called whole that talks about that, how foods work in synergistic, um, you know, synergistically and, and how you can take out one vitamin of it and say, oh, you need a lot of this, but wait, what are you leaving behind and how do they all work together? Right? So genes are a little like that. And so, you know, I caution you to get, get too caught up in just the whole gene thing. Um, so just know that genes don't mean that you have to suffer, okay, that you're not destined to have these diseases. 
Um, what I learned at that, at that conference was there was another study led by a, a dietitian named Brenda Davis. And, and I'll put, like I said, I'll put this information in my show notes so you can look it up for yourself. But she went down, it was called the Marshall Island Diabetes Intervention Project. And, um, in, you know, diabetes is the number, type 2 diabetes is the number one cause of death and disability in this island nation. Okay. And, and it's small. Um, most people have it or develop pre-diabetes by the time they're adults, half of all the surgeries done in that small country are amputations due to diabetes. Um, most of the people don't know they have it until they, they go and get treated and, and they're getting treated for the, the complications like circulatory or kidney damage that occurs with untreated diabetes, right? So, um, and you know, 60 years ago, diabetes was virtually unheard of in the Marshall Islands. They were slim and physically active and they lived off the land. They ate fish and seafood and edible plants like coconut and breadfruit and taro and leafy greens. And to, today they pretty much eat tons of spam, donuts, ramen noodles, and cola. And what I can say is this is exactly what I saw when I went down to Fiji and did some research for my master's program. And, and you know, they, they had very similar lifestyles. They're in the South Pacific, like the Marshall Islands are, they are in Fiji. They eat many of the same cultural foods, uh, the breadfruit, the um, taro, the, the um, leafy greens and, and stuff. And they all were straying away from that. And now diabetes is on the rise. And the problem is, is there's not the same education that we have here about diabetes. So it does go untreated. And so when they finally go to the doctor, they've gotten so extreme that they end up amputating. So then what gets back to the village is that don't go to the doctor. He's going to cut off your foot. Okay. So then no one will go to the doctor at the early stages of the diabetes where it can be managed. It's a vicious cycle. Um, and so the government is, and that's what I was part of down there is doing these outreach programs to test blood sugars and increase their knowledge, going village to village, trying to teach them that, no, you want to go to the doctor and get the medicines. And they may do that. But the problem is they take them and then they stop okay, because they don't really understand they have to keep taking them or it gets expensive to keep taking them or they don't have access. They don't have enough, okay, for them to even get it. So they don't ever combat the problem. So there's a lot of dynamics going on there. Um, but if we can educate, and that's what I was a big part of is educating, go back to eating your traditional foods. Go back to eating the traditional Fijian foods like they're doing in, in the Marshall Islands. Go back. And you have to change their mindset because the advertising is so huge about um, Western foods. They think that they're glamorous. And they think they're good for them because they show people jogging down the beach, right? You know, if you drink milk. So that's, that's they're starting to do more fast foods. You know, look at some of the fast food. Um, you know, it looks good and it tastes good. It tastes good to them. It's high fat, high salt, high sugar, and they're cheap. So you see more and more people eating them and giving up their traditional foods, and they're getting the same Western diseases that we have, okay? So it's so frustrating to me. But with the genetics, it's not in your genes, okay? Yes, there's predisposition, but it frustrates me because I want to say to the American Diabetes Association, hey, ADA, that's something that you're referring to that triggers type 2 diabetes? We know what it is. It's the food. It's the Western diet call it for what it is, you know, call it out, quit skirting around it. It's harming people by doing that. And, 
you know, as, as many state in the plant-based world, the only thing genetic in families with diabetes and obesity is the cookbook. They eat the same way their family did. So it stands to reason that they're going to get the same diet-related diseases that their family has. So with that, I hope you, you, you start questioning, start thinking, okay? It doesn't have to be your destiny, okay? It doesn't have to be that you have to have type 2 diabetes. It doesn't have to be that you have heart disease or high blood pressure or high cholesterol. You don't have to take medicines. It's all about what you eat. So get the saturated fat, which comes in the animal products and the dairy products. And you know that means the butter. That means the added oils. Get those off your plate and, and swap them out for legumes and whole foods, and you'll see your health improve. So that's my, that's my rant for today. Sorry. I just, it makes me so mad when I was on the diabetic the ADA site today. Going, why, are they, why don't they just help people? Why are they giving this halfway halfway solution when we know how we can help them and end the suffering? So that's what I, you know, that's that's my goal in life to make an impact and to get the word out. And uh, that's what I'm doing. So I encourage you to do the same. Tell people to eat plants. So keep eating plants, my friends. And till the next time, have a great day.